You are now listening to Soul Power to the People podcast with Tess Fregera. It's a podcast designed to bring awareness on intended or unintended crimes against humanity, how we can rise above it, claim our divine inheritance, and return the soul power to the people. Welcome, 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 everyone. Welcome to Soul Power to the People podcast. This show is all about bringing awareness to what is it that's stopping us from fully stepping into our greatness, from what is it? What is it that's dumbing down our consciousness? Why is it that we hesitate to own everything that we are meant to be, our divine inheritance? And our beautiful guest, Alicia, will help us see how to uh, give us a look on what it was like to be a product of a sexual crime when she was very young and the important work that she is doing in empowering women who are working, working, working on their business, yeah. right? But but did not take the time to heal that trauma from sexual abuse. That was amazing. Thank you for that introduction. And my name is Alicia G. I'm a performance coach and speaker, but really like this started so long ago to get to this point, right? As, as we all do, we have a story and we have our, our past, but oftentimes we don't believe that our past has actually made us stronger. A lot of times, especially coming from abuse, I, I had always felt in the past that it had made me broken and weak. And so um, going back to my story, just to share a little bit so we can relate a little bit maybe, um, it's just that I went through childhood sexual abuse from the ages 11 to 13 years old from a family member. And before that, I had grown up um, in Colorado Springs, Colorado, you know, grew up all around the world, lived in China, did had this amazing childhood because my dad was a doctor and a missionary. And so we just traveled around the world. Um, and so I always like to preface that because, um, yeah, these things happen in any family at any time. And so when things started to shift for me was when I was 11 years old, when a family member started to see me differently and started to interact with me differently. You know, I started really slow. I started with just games, um, just, you know, like normal things up until a point where I was like, okay, wait, this is really shifted. And and like the, the bottom of my stomach, I was like, oh, I feel like there's something wrong. Like this is not okay. But when I started to ask questions or when I started to ask him to stop, he would always say that it was like normal. This is what you do with these kind of family members. This is just what happens and all these things. And so I was like left feeling really confused. Um, but deep down, like I was always shameful and guilty, like felt guilty about it because I knew it wasn't okay. Um, but it lasted for two years on and off. And after um, how it really came out was one day my mom had come to me and she said, Alicia, like I know everything. We saw an email um, from this person to you and it was really like really appropriate and we asked them about it and they admitted everything and so we want to hear your side of the story and when I sat there I was actually like in an office chair just like this I remember it's like it was yesterday just because I tried to share like what little I could with her and I was like I didn't even actually know what the word sexual abuse meant I had never even heard of that really so I was like this is kind of what happened and, and I just felt really shameful and guilty even just saying it out loud um, and, but at the same time, I was like pretty relieved. I was like a relief. I was like, someone at least knows. Um, but when I finished sharing what little I could, she looked at me and she said, Alicia, it takes two. And so in that moment, I really, really take, took a step back and was like, okay, it was my fault. I should have told somebody. Um, all those things he had started planning in my head a long time ago and said no one would believe you anyways. All of these things came came true for me in a sense that my own mom had said that. And so the years that led up to where I'm at now is basically what happened was I took it on as my own fault. I led my life like I, you know, it didn't matter. I tried to forget about it. I numbed myself through partying, drinking, doing stuff with other guys at that point. And just acted like it never happened and never affected me. I went to counseling like a little bit back and forth when I was a kid, um, but nothing really until probably after college 
when I was actually helping these girls who'd gone through sex trafficking and I loved doing that, like I loved serving them. And I felt really grateful that I actually didn't go down that road because a lot of girls who are in sex trafficking have also been abused or and alcohol, all those things. But someone came to me and said, hey, Alicia, you don't get to help these girls until you help yourself. And I was like, oh, what do you mean? I'm okay, I'm fine, right? I was like, this is, and it was actually like my fiance now. So this is about five, six years ago. But um, yeah, so he just said that. And at first I didn't want to believe it. But when I actually took a step back and looked at my life, I was like, yeah, actually I am helping everybody else around me besides myself right now. And that was a really big eye-awakening moment. And then from there on, I took a step back, stopped working there, worked myself for years. And then I decided I wanted to help other people do that as well. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, oh, I have so much response to that. Thank you first for being on the show and your help with the child sex trafficking. Okay. Because uh, you had a mark on your, okay, your yeah. hand at some yeah. point. And mm -hmm. I'm like, I want to interview her. I want to get her on uh, the show. I've I've already interviewed a couple of uh, people who were uh, abused also as a child. One was not from a family member, but the other one, she was trafficked by her own father. And it was the hardest uh, conversation, the hardest interview for me, because I just wanted to hug her. For you, I feel like we can go back and forth and really go deep on this subject because you're doing it, you're you're healed, you're helping other women heal too. And how did it feel for you? And how does it affect other women from your interaction with them, from your coaching with them? When a parent or a loved one or someone they trusted says it takes two. I, yeah, unfortunately, it happens like 64% of the time. The first time you share your story, you aren't believed. And so that really takes a huge toll because like that moment of you finally being able to share your story or finally being like, okay, enough is enough. I'm going to tell somebody is a huge moment. And for when, when someone, and especially someone close like your mom or anybody around you who says it takes two or, or they don't believe you or they're like, you're making it up, whatever it is it really, really hurts. Um, and so I always like to share that like, yeah, there's a lot of grace in it for like healing and freedom with my mom and I, and, and you can absolutely work past that. But I always like to tell people, if someone does not believe you the first time, go and tell somebody else until they do. And I know that can sound hard and I know it's like, okay, well, no, that person didn't believe me, why would I tell somebody else? But the truth is, we all are human, and sometimes we we don't know how to react the way that we should. And so my mom was a case of not knowing how to react the way that she should have. And I've actually been able to talk to her about it since, and she has felt a lot of guilt and shame and, and is really sorry about it. But you don't always get to hear that sorry. But it's your responsibility to also go and talk to somebody else about it who does understand. And that's what's really powerful about my coaching and, just, and, and communities actually with women who've gone through the similar things is because they get it. I get it. And when you finally have someone say, hey, I understand. I feel, I feel you. I hear you. I see you. It's just a really powerful moment of being like, oh, okay, I'm not alone. Because for many years, like I felt so alone and I never wanted to share it. I never wanted to share my story publicly for sure. Like this, like having interviews like this or becoming a coach or sharing my story publicly online was never part of the plan. Like I was like, I'm not, I'm okay. Don't need to talk about it anymore. I'll move on, act like nothing ever happened. But the truth is that simply does not work and we can push it off, push it off, but like what we resist persists. So mm -hmm. it showed up in my life and I know it shows up in a lot of women's lives. And if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, it's still there. Yeah, because you haven't addressed it yet. And while that can seem hard, like there's two kinds of hard. Ignoring it is really hard. And facing it can also be hard, but we can do hard things. So Right. And might yeah. as well face it because it's the same energy yeah. to ignore and avoid it. And uh, I know when you have that level of shame, there's a self-harm that's happening. Yeah. Right? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to talk about that self harm or yeah. self uh, sabotage? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, you know, you always know that you're not okay. I know, that, like sometimes you're like you, you want to put on a mask, and you're like, no, it doesn't affect me. It's okay. But the thing is, like, no one who is happy-go-lucky drinks every single night. No one who's happy-go-lucky, you know, like self-harms or cuts or things like that. And so those are really clear signs, and I, and I ignore those for a really long time. But when I really look back and when I really had that person, like, you know, call me out basically and, and, and take a stand for me in that moment, I yeah, realized that, like, I was doing a lot of things that were harming my body. For one, like, physically – I wasn't working out. I had gained a lot of weight. Um, those kind of things too are self-harm too because your body is worth showing up for. And so a lot of those things were you know, happening into my 20s. But even before that, even during the abuse, like I had started cutting myself and drinking. Those were things that were like so temporary. So I would have to do those things all the time. And so what I, what I like to look back on and, and what I like to share with people too is just the fact that I was fighting for myself, like the only way I knew how, because I actually had a lot of shame and guilt because of the partying, because of the drinking, because of the doing stuff with other guys, cutting myself, all those things. I was like, oh, that's not me. Like, why did I do that to myself? All of those things. But in that conversation, like those like, why did I, or why haven't I conversations really just hurt you even more in your healing journey and moving forward. So when I look back, I'm like, hey, actually I was fighting for myself only way I knew how, which was cutting and drinking, doing that stuff. And now I get to learn healthy coping mechanisms and healthy tools to show up for myself more powerfully. What has to happen for you to really stop all that self-harm and really stand for yourself uh, from a different perspective that really this time you're doing it from a place of self-love? How did that look like for you? Yeah, it looked like taking a step back. I think so oftentimes we give ourselves like an hour of yoga or the gym or just like a short fix almost. Like we're just like, okay, you know what? I'm not feeling good about myself right now. Let me go do something and and just have that moment. But the problem is like when we just do these short fixes, and I was actually just talking to someone like that the other day, they're like, I don't know why I don't feel passionate about life. I'm like, hey, when's the longest time you've stepped back and looked at your life? And she's like, well, a few hours, like I meditate every morning. But sometimes like we have to take even a bigger step back and Mm -hmm. maybe that looks like even like a week off of work or a week to yourself, a week of something to show up for yourself and really realize like what, what is it? What do I need? And with this, like all the noise going on in the world right now, and I know we all know that we're getting busier and busier as, as humans, but really like what it took for me is just to take a step back and be like, Hey, who is Alicia G anyways, right? And figure out who I am again and ask myself these questions and really just work from there slowly. I was like, it's a healing journey, not a sprint. And so, so oftentimes, like I was here to my clients are like, okay, I'm here, Alicia. I want to be over here. How long will that take? And I'm like, okay, for one, everyone is different. Everyone's healing journey is different. And two, it's like, and earlier, actually, you said this too. You said, okay, you're healed now. But the truth is like, it's a healing journey and like, we're never going to be fully like healed. And some people can hear that and be like, oh, like that's terrible. Like, I can't believe that. Um, I can't believe I'm going to have to deal with this all the time. But for me, I'm like, hey, okay, what's next? What, where else do I get to go and heal? Like, where else do I get to show up powerfully in my life? Because when we like have this destination that we're trying to get to, like healed or not healed, it can feel like it's a never ending journey. You can feel like you're doing something wrong or what's wrong with me. You know, all those kind of questions come up. So I'd like to remind myself, for one, me too, <laughs> and um, other people that it just it, it gets to be exciting. Like triggers, for instance, like no one wants to have them, but if you switch your mindset towards them and you're like, hey, okay, this is coming up again, why? Like, and just be curious, like, why is that still coming up? Why is that still causing me pain? And instead of just like pushing it down again, work through that this time. Because so I always think like, if you're having triggers, or if you're having something that's still coming up, that means that you're ready to deal with it. That means you're ready to like show up and work through it. And so don't be like scared or, or upset that it's happening. Just change your mindset and just realize, hey, I can do hard things, even if it's painful. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, uh, let's break that down. What are you, the usual triggers um, 
what are the signs to watch for when things that are pushed down in the back, 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 in the very recesses of the mind, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're doing something and boom, you got triggered. Yeah. What examples can you share with us of how does one know they are triggered? Yeah, for one, first of all, it's usually like having a memory from your past, right? So it's like, you know, sometimes it might be a little bit different situation, but it feels the same. So for instance, like being in another relationship after maybe going through abuse and having him say something that your ex used to say or that your parents used to say or whatever used to say. And it doesn't always have to be like your abuser. You know, the triggers come from different different people um, and different things and like circumstances. But when you're like having these memories of something in the past, for one, take a step back because oftentimes what we have, what happens with triggers is that we take it out on the person who doesn't even know that it's a trigger for us or that they don't even know that that's a sensitive topic for us because we haven't shared. Because oftentimes like we get really angry at the people who you're like, you should have known, right? Um, but they but they don't know all the time. And so for one, like if those memories are coming up, take a step back. And then another memory or another trigger that usually comes up, especially after sexual abuse is anything sexual. You know, it could just be a touch, it could be a kiss, it could be whatever it is. And if you are feeling like that, oh, like uncomfortability and just like pain and, and sadness, that's another sign that like that is a trigger that's still coming up for you. And okay, instead of taking out on the person, right? Because um, they're probably trying to just show you love. Take a step back and be like, hey, okay, I'm not ready yet. And you can share that with them. Hey, I'm not ready yet to have that physical touch. I'm not ready yet to have that conversation. Or you can even say like, hey, so I know that you probably have, don't know this part of my story, but this happened to me in my past. And when you said this, my experience was this, right? And just in sharing that with them and being vulnerable because oftentimes like we re-trigger ourselves or we get really upset about triggers is because we blame the other person for not knowing how to react or not knowing that we're not we're not doing good. We're not we're we're having a trigger. And so that's my encouragement about triggers is just like realizing, okay, they're actually a powerful tool to help you realize like, hey, there's still something there and that's okay. And how can you move forward? I love that you say that because there's all these things, you know, oh, be kind, be nice. You never know what the other person is going through. But the responsibility gets passed on to a stranger, to um, innocent bystander and, and saying something mm -hmm. that is honest or maybe a little rude, maybe a little something. They're also going through their shit, right? Yeah. But then this person who's traumatized and hasn't faced their trauma yeah. reacts. Yes. And then there are conflicting information out there that, oh, don't say that. Don't to break their spirit. Yeah. But from what I'm hearing from you, it's actually a gift to face the trigger that thank you for pointing out to me that I am triggered. Yeah. Then I can do something about it. Then I can take my power back. Isn't that correct? Yes, because like we get to take a stand for people around us. And so for, for you just to say, okay, like just ignore it or, or if you're, you're with somebody who's maybe experiencing a trigger, but they are also taking it out on you, you also get to stand for them and say, hey, look, like, you know, for it's like, hey, Alicia, uh, my experience of you is that you're taking your, your past out on me. And instead, how can we actually look at it, work through it together, see, uh, and, you know, move forward powerfully? Because exactly like you said, like, yes, we get to see people and hold people at their highest. And, you know, we don't know what they're going through all the time. And at the same time, like, we don't have to be stomped on and, and, and just, like, allow them to maybe take out their anger on you. I think it's a really powerful tool to not just say, like, and this also goes back to, like, as a society, I think we, we're, we're, like, always so kind. We don't want to hurt people. We don't want to ruffle any feathers. And, and so, like, if we really can look at people as, like, hey, see them at their highest. And if your experiencing of, of them isn't showing up powerfully, isn't working through things, then, yeah, share that with them. Call them forward. 
Because just right. like my fiance did five, six years ago and said, hey, Alicia, you get to work on yourself before you're helping everybody else. I would not be here if it wasn't for that moment. And so wow. in that moment, I'm sure he like was a first, like, and I'm sure he thought of it way before he actually said it, right? When he said it, I'm sure he was scared that like I was going to be angry or whatever else, but he said it anyways. And that's also like my encouragement for people is like, you get to take a stand for people and, and call them forward. And it's not like call them out, like you did this, this, and this, and this, like blame them all, right? Like that doesn't work either. But it's like, hey, what's going on? How can we work through this instead of just getting angry or whatever the emotion comes out? Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Communication is really key because I know when I was in that moment, it my trauma was not uh, uh, sexual abuse. It was trauma nevertheless. Yeah. I didn't understand why all of a sudden I was lashing out yeah. to my mother. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and, and when she reacted, when she reacted from place of hurt, then it created more hurt, more hurt, more hurt. It became that pointing fingers. And so how would you recommend they start the conversation? Like that, you didn't get upset with your boyfriend at that time? Oh, well, that was, yeah, I did at first. (laughs) (laughs) But like, yeah, so back then I hadn't worked on myself at all. And so, yes, that was a really hard conversation to have. But I did take a step back and I looked and I was like, actually, yes. And so I came back and we had a powerful conversation. But to like start these conversations, for one, it's like sharing like, this is my experience of you. Like, right? You get one thing from this conversation. This is my experience of you. Because that's a different way of saying it. Of like, you are doing or you are this or whatever else it is. Like, accusing them almost or like saying like, this is the fact, right? This is a black and white, you're wrong, I'm right kind of conversation, but instead changing it to like, this is my experience of you right now, is that you're not working through your past. This is my experience of you, that you're not showing up for yourself. This is my experience of you, that you're going through a lot of pain and you're trying to do life on your own. Whatever whatever that is, because maybe that's not the case, but from an outside perspective and from your point of view, that's your experience of them. And that's valid. And so it goes both ways. So you sharing that with somebody and somebody also receiving that and saying, hey, that's their experience of me. And we all have our own experiences. Like you just said, like yours wasn't sexual abuse. Mine was. Whatever experience you've gone through is valid. That was your experience. Nothing's like we wish, you know, we always like, like this is worse than the other, like sexual abuse is worse than non-sexual abuse. But the truth is like, it's still really painful and you're still working through it. And so when someone comes to you, so like we talked about how when you go to somebody and how to share your experience, but when someone also comes to you and shares that with you, take a deep breath for one, because sometimes like we want to be defensive, right? Because when you've gone through some kind of trauma, you're like, I'm fine. I'm strong. I can do it on my own. And we get in this kind of like mindset that we're like, we don't need anybody else. Like we don't need to listen, you know, and take a deep breath. Like, okay, their experience of me is that I'm trying to do things on my own. Is that true? Yeah, actually it is. Okay, how can I let people back in? How can I work through that? Or even like saying it out loud, like, hey, I'm scared to let somebody help me. It's important to say these things out loud because oftentimes like we just keep it down so deep and we keep shoving it down that we can't even really feel what it feels like to say it out loud because it's releasing it also. And so it's just really important to just realize like we all have our own experiences and just like taking responsibility of your life and showing up powerfully. That's beautiful. Yeah, there was a, an encounter I had where in, in a group format where that person was thinking she was empowering herself by saying what her triggers are, except mm-hmm. when it's a one way these are my triggers. And if I say these triggers, you can't say anything else. Mm. So I I have an issue with that where I had to say, hey, don't pass your responsibility. It's okay to hang on to your trauma. It's okay, yeah. right? If you don't feel it's the right time right now, if you're not feeling safe, if you don't have that someone that you can totally give that up for, yeah. it's okay. But don't expect others in your group to tiptoe around you because then you're, you know, they cannot be direct. They cannot be honest. Yeah. Then 
what are we what what kind of world again it's just a group format what kind of world are we creating if we're not going to be honest with each other yeah i i love that point so much because yeah exactly it's like you list out your triggers and you're like okay everyone should know them or if you said them out loud once everybody should know that and the truth is like you get to take responsibility for how you're feeling when someone says something because oftentimes, like, yeah, exactly. Like, they're maybe not, tr- they're most of them are not trying to hurt you, but you're taking it as they're hurting you. And so it just like, it, it's in that moment of like, okay, it's okay that, like, yes, some, someone says something and it hurts. That's okay. Like, you don't have to act like, oh, okay, it's my responsibility. I don't have to, I'm not allowed to be hurt by this. It's okay to feel hurt and just take a step back and look at why, why that was. Because mm-hmm. so often, like, we feel like we have to respond right away. It's like someone asks you, you know, can you do, yes. And it's like, yeah, I didn't even get to my the end of the sentence, right? And we just, like, feel like we have to be, like, yes, people are just, like, always giving an answer. But it's okay to say, hey, I need a second. Uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm feeling, tr-. you can even say, like, I'm feeling triggered. This is not on you. But I would like to continue this conversation later. Hey, can I take, can I take it? walk around town you know like <laughs> I need a break or whatever it is and that's okay too to like just take a step back and, and like you just said like other people aren't responsible for knowing all of your triggers right and it, it's just unrealistic and also it keeps you angry it keeps you kind of angry because you're like I already told them once what my trigger was why are they still doing it right but the truth is, like, yeah, maybe they forgot. And, and yes, you're going to remind them lovingly, hey, like, it really, really hurts me when you do this. Or it really is bringing up some things from my past. And especially, like, sexually, like, if your partner is doing something that is continuously triggering you, triggering you, yeah, you get to share that, ex- like, experience. Like, hey, this is actually hurting me. Can we try something else? Can you give me a break? Can you understand that right now? it's not okay for me to do anything sexual, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, let's talk about sex and uh, business. And because um, you believe that all of life are interconnected. Yes. Absolutely. So talk about if uh, a woman, and I know of this quite a bit, I've, I've coached so many couples who are no longer having sex Because there was a trauma from the past that never got healed. And it was okay in the beginning of the relationship, in the beginning of the marriage. But then they revert back to that hurt little child inside of the marriage, no longer feeling safe with their partner. So talk about that first. What what happens when we do not heal our sexual trauma? What happens is that, yeah, and, and, and what's interesting about this is like exactly like it could happen like down the road and you're like, what the heck, why is this, why is this happening now? But the truth is like we can stuff it so far down that for maybe years, nothing comes up. But then all of a sudden that moment happens and it's like, oh, very present. Like it's almost like you're back happening again. For instance, like for me one time, um, we had talked through it, worked through it. This is about a little less than a year ago, actually. And I hadn't had any triggers actually for a really long time. And I like to share the story because for one, I like to be open and honest that there are still some things that I go through. Like sometimes we put coaches or mentors on pedestals, but like I still get to work through some of these things too. So something happened where he was giving me a massage. It wasn't even like sexual, but for some reason that triggered that, oh yeah, my abuser used to give me massages and that's how it kind of started. And so that like that triggered me right away and right away my body tensed up and he's like, are you okay? And, and I was able to tell him, I was like, hey, um, I don't know why this came up, but it did. Can we take a break? And so, but after like a few weeks afterwards, um, actually months afterwards, I still was feeling like, oh, like, and it wasn't even, it, it, you know, it was something I talked about, I worked through, but until I really, really started to like work through it, um, you know, I did some like womb healing which is just like a, a, a ceremony and a meditation of just like, hey, there's a lot of trauma that's stuck in our womb, which is like, you know, our stomach area. And it's until we can really, yeah, exactly. And, and so when we can finally like release that, 
things start opening up and you start having, you know, that desire to like be together with with somebody or or sexual desire again. Because for a while, I completely turned it off for me. I was like, nothing, don't touch me, like all of those things. And thankfully, I was with somebody who understood that. And, and of course, for him, it was it was hard for him as well. And so like I, you know, we had lots of discussions of like, what happened? Like you used to love this, now you don't. But I was like, hey, can you please be patient with me while I'm working through this? And it was a really amazing moment for us to grow and also like for him to understand that like, yeah, there are still going to be some things that maybe come up and that's okay. Because for me, like it was an amazing experience of like trying new things. I had never done a womb healing before. I had never looked even like been curious about it. And so now I have these experiences and now I've worked through these things and now I feel like, okay, like it's okay for, you know, the love of my life, like all these things to be with me. And so we all have like those, those something that comes up or, or maybe like we have this expectation of how we're supposed to perform in the bedroom. Like, I know that's a huge thing of like, I can't say no because then he won't love me. And it's like, what? No. Right. Like you matter too. Like you get to enjoy yourself too. And so whatever that looks like for you, if you need time alone, like if you need time to figure it out on your own before you are into a relationship or if you're in a relationship now and it's, it's not feeling right and it's not feeling okay with you. Yeah. You get to have that conversation and share with your partner because it goes back to your partner, not knowing, you know, like Eric's like, Oh, I didn't know. Cause I didn't even remember that, that memory, for instance. Right. So, Wow, that's amazing. And how amazing it is to have a partner who's willing to go through this with you. That's that's yeah. so awesome. I feel extremely grateful and, and it did not come easy, right? Like, you know, we did have to work through a lot of things. And I also, when we first met, I was pretty wild at that point. You know, I was like, nothing, you know, matters. Like I was always out partying, drinking it. And, and so was he. And so we both had to grow up together. We've been together for six years now and we did have to grow up together and give each other a lot of grace and forgiveness and all those things. But we really have like worked on ourselves individually for one, like going to different events and, and reading lots of books and doing all these things separately and coming back together and working on ourselves together too. Because in that relationship, especially after going through abuse or just maybe like, and it can even be like not seeing your parents together, divorce, whatever it is, it mm -hmm. can feel like it's impossible to be with one person or, or, and, and that's my experience is that I want to be with one person. And if that's not yours, that's okay too. But my experience is that I do want to be with one person for the rest of my life. And so I know that it's not going to be easy. And so we continuously work on ourselves We've gone to counseling together, had an outside, you know, perspective of just like, hey, how can we work through these things? And and really like what it took was just to be completely open and honest with him about my past experiences and my trauma. And when new things come up, share again, hey, this is something else that's coming up. Right. Oh, that's beautiful. Is he also into personal development and spiritual yes. development? Yes. Awesome. That's awesome. Both had a lot of support and coaches and mentors um because i always like to talk to like we're not meant to do life on our own and so often like we were like oh no I'll, I'll get a coach when i have the money or i'll get a mentor like when i have more free time but the truth is like life's happening now and if if something's not working for you in your life most of the time we can find somebody who has experienced those things and who has worked through it that we get to look up to that we get to learn from and oftentimes it looks like financially investing and a coach or a mentor, because when you financially invest, you also are telling your mind that you're worth showing up for. Right. Well, what's the difference? What's the difference of healing the trauma? How do you feel? What's life uh, feeling like for you right now? Yeah. Compared to when you were still in that space. Yeah. Yeah. So for one, I, I know that I have options. Before I was healed, I was like just going throughout life, like, okay, I'll go to college. I'll get my nine to five job, I'll, you know, da, 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 all those things. But now I'm like, okay, hey, what is it that I want to create in this world? How can I show up more powerfully for myself first before everybody else? Because I think the biggest part before when I hadn't worked on things was that from the outside perspective, I was doing amazing. I had a really successful job. I was making great money. I was doing all these, doing all these things that looked great, right? 
And so, but for me, I always knew that I wasn't okay in the inside. And so working on myself and showing it for myself first, I'm able to go help people now. And in not out of desperation, not not out of like martyr, like I'm not like a martyr. I, I'm like, hey, okay, I filled myself my cup up today, this morning. How can I go show up for other people? And how can I love on people? How can I transform this world? Instead of like really just like looking at like a one-way track of like, bare minimum right it was more like just like the bare minimum before and now i'm like oh there's so many opportunities to create things in life that i want to create that's awesome and so your perpetrator where is he now um was there ever justice served on that one because i figured he was a lot older than you actually he wasn't that much older and and by the way guys like the reason why i don't share who exactly it was is because i know that when we share who our abusers was it's the easiest thing to do is to go find them on facebook instagram um, online and go hate on them and the truth is like that doesn't do anything by hating other people it like because most of the time we want to hate other people and not focus on ourselves and our own healing So that's why I actually don't share it publicly. I share it in my coaching programs. I share it when I'm like one-on-one. When I'm doing interviews, I just don't share who it was just so that um, we can focus on you, (laughs) the person who's listening, and really focusing on how they can show up for themselves. Yeah. Um, And so so for one, I have had a conversation and sat sat down with him and had him share um, why he saw me that way and why he was able to even think of me like that. Um, and that's not like, not a, lot, not a lot of people can do that. But for me, I knew that if I was gonna share my story publicly, I also wanted to have the conversation with him, um, what was happening, you know, back then and, and to heal and grow in that way. Um, and to have healing and freedom and forgiveness for him, not because it was okay, not because I'm saying it was okay, um, but because I know that it's for me. Mm. And thank you for that. And you brought up an important topic. Um, a lot of women or men that are empowered to talk about, or they're feeling the call to talk about their shame, but don't know how to go about whether naming or not naming their perpetrator. So I love that you brought that up and that there is a way to be released of shame without putting all the blame on the other person and really come from um, a place of forgiveness, not for him really, but really to not hang on to the resentment and shame to finally liberate and free yourself. Exactly. Like it really isn't for anybody else but you to forgive your abuser, to forgive anybody in your past. And it, it's a, a long process, but I encourage you for one, not to do this process on your own, but I was able to actually, um, and I'll share one of the tools that's really powerful, is to actually write out everything that you're forgiving that person for. And so, so for one, I've done it for my abuser, I've done it for my mom, and I wrote out everything. Like, I forgive you, mom, for not talking about finances. Like, like that came up for me. That was one of like, the videos. I was like, oh, I didn't even know like that was something that I had in my head. Um, and I for, like, it's like, I forgive you, mom, for, for not being there the way I needed you to be. I forgive you, mom, for, for all these things. And it was just a really powerful moment. For one, pen and paper is so powerful. Like, there's, you're getting your, your, your stuck energy out on a piece of paper and releasing it. And then, for, then, then the next thing I did was, like, it took me a long time to do this. It probably took me, like, six weeks. So every time I thought about something, I would write it out again. And it doesn't always have to take this long, but for me, for some reason, I was holding on to non-forgiveness for her, right? I was like, but there's still something that, you know, like, um, even to the point of where I wrote it out, and the next exercise is to say it out loud. And then the next part is to actually burn it and rip it up, do whatever you have to do. But I even wanted to, like, take a picture of it so that I could remember it for later. But I'm like, no, 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 that's not the point. Like, I actually get to release this. And so like whatever is coming up for you and and not wanting to forgive somebody or not knowing how, then ask questions, like ask for support. And also just know like it can take some time. And also one of those people that you get to forgive is yourself. I know that oftentimes we we are like, ah, this person, this person, but it's like, what about you? Like how hard are you on yourself? 
because you're still blaming yourself for what happened or blaming yourself for how you're showing up or for blaming yourself for not going for your dream job. Whatever it is, we can be our own worst enemy. And so oftentimes, like that forgiveness activity, most of the time, like you get to start with yourself first before you can forgive anybody else. Oh, that's beautiful. And so that forgiveness exercise, I had a mentor a long time ago. I was being trained to be uh, a co-facilitator of some healing uh, group healing program that she was doing. In private, she shared with me that she hasn't forgiven herself, even though she was teaching it. So I know that's a really a big sticking point for, for many people to forgive oneself. Exactly. And to be honest, like that's exactly why I do what I do. I usually work with coaches and mentors because we oftentimes, just like me, show up for everybody else around us and don't check in on ourselves. And that doesn't mean that we're not like, because we're, we're not like coaches or mentors or whatever, like, because we're perfect. Like, that we're not like, oh, we've reached that perfection. Now we can be a coach. That's not the truth. We're still human beings. But if she's still experiencing that, and, and if you're still experiencing that, like maybe you're like, I'm already a leader. I can't tell anybody that I'm still experiencing these things. Like, no, no one wants you to be fake for one. No one is like, wanting to learn from somebody who's perfect. Because oftentimes, like I used to fall into this a lot too. I'm like, well, I can't ever share anything that I'm going through um, because I don't want my clients, I don't want my future clients to not think that I'm um, powerful, leader, you know, confident, whatever it is. But the truth is like, if I never share anything that I'm going through, no one is going to want to work with me because we don't want to work with somebody who can't relate for one and who is like, oh, you're experiencing self-doubt? I've never experienced that. I've always <laughs> been confident, right? It's like, no, like that's just unrealistic that we, you know, I self-doubt all the time. I'm like, what am I doing, you know? But then I, I have tools to get me out of it quicker than I would have before. But at the same time, like if I don't share that with you guys here and I act like I'm all great all the time, it's like, no, that's like, you don't want a coach who says that because that's not the truth. That's like, no one can be perfect all the time slash not happening those things. So. <laughs> I was in just this uh, past weekend, I was listening to my own talk on self-doubt <laughs> because I could hear the self-doubt going through and self-doubt happens, especially when you're up-leveling or you're into this unknown. So you're, you're still going to experience all those things that you've been through, but from a different level, like you said, you already have tools, you know, but yes, we're human and with infinite possibilities. Right. So how amazing is it that we can give ourselves permission to really step into who we are becoming and who we are becoming is who we're meant to be instead of being trapped in shame in guilt and unforgiveness and all those lower energetic expressions that is in no way a representation of who we really are. And so I love your work in helping people who feel that they are damaged and broken and just pretend that everything's okay. Like you were saying earlier, what if we can take off that mask and be really real and honest and really come from a place of it happened to me, but the past is the past and it's not me. The past is not me. It just happened to me. <laughs> so I love, I love how you are working with people to overcome that. And, and something like, and I, like what you just said is like, it's not me. And that's the whole reason why I was about to not share like publicly, like a few years ago about my story. Cause I'm like, that's not me. I don't want to be labeled as someone who's gone through abuse or broken. But the truth is like, we have the choice to have, to have our own labels, right? We have the choice to have people see us as broken or not broken. And how I've transformed that in my own mind is like, I know who I am now. I work on those things and I like, hopefully, you know, show those, show those things and have other people like, I don't think anyone would go on my page and be like, she's really broken, which at first I felt like was always going to happen. And not that it like, not that there's anything shameful about like working through some things and not feeling whole or complete, you know, you're, 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 we're all at different journeys and we're all at different levels of our healing journey. But for me, like, it's, it's really important to just realize that by by sharing my story, I always ask myself, I'm like, if I could help one person, would it be worth it? And the truth is, I, it's yes, every single time. 
And I tell myself that every single time I step on stage, every time I get on a, um, a conversation with a, a potential maybe new client, I'm like, hey, if I could help this one person today, would it be worth it? And that's what I keep on reminding myself of every single day because oftentimes like we listen to society or whatever society says about people who've gone through painful past experiences and we're like, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be broken. I don't want to be labeled. But you have the choice on how people see you. Sister, anything else you want to share with the audience? Uh, no, just, honestly, I've loved this conversation and I've loved your questions today. But really, if like, this resonates with you, I just encourage you to look for support. Whether it's one of us, um, like Tess or I, like I know that Tess has a really powerful coaching company as well. Um, we're just really not meant to do life on our own. And that's like been my biggest thing. No matter where I'm at in my journey, I always have a coach or support. Um, because oftentimes I think people look at coaches or like I said, they look at people and they're like, oh, they can do it, but I can't. And for years I was like, oh, she can do it. She has this, da, da, da. And then I started hearing their story and their backgrounds of like when they finally opened up and they're like, oh, I've gone through abuse or whatever else it was. I'm like, oh, okay. So we're actually not as different as I thought we were. And so I encourage you just to not put people on pedestals and, and feel like it, they can do it, but I can't. Like they're like, oh, Lisha can do it. She's speaking on a podcast. She's fine. She's great. But I'm over here. Barely, I'm, I'm barely able to tell anybody. And that's okay. But just know that you're worth showing up for yourself and you can create things that you and I have if that's something that you want to create. Um, but we all have our own journey. We all have our own starting point. And so wherever you're at in your life, like you get to start now. Yeah. And the one thing too that I love that you shared earlier is that you were so passionate about uh, helping uh, survivors or still in the system, uh, child sex trafficking. And sometimes in our journey, when we cannot, when we're so disassociated with our own pain and our own trauma, we just want to help out. And that's one way of getting out of that victim hurt mentality is to be able to find our worth in uh, serving uh, others who are going through such pain. So how can people help out in the now being revealed so much atrocities happening in child sex trafficking? What what can you share about that? So for one, um, it can happen to anybody. And I think that sometimes we were like, oh, that's in third world countries or that's for lower income families. That's for whatever else. But like the truth is predators are looking all the time online, specifically right now. TikTok is one of the highest places that gets, kids are getting trafficked from. And so it's really important to remember that like you get to have conversations with your kids. You get to have conversations with people around you. Like I said earlier in this interview too, like we tiptoe around hard topics. We're like, oh, I don't want to scare my kids. I don't want to scare somebody about talking about trafficking or, or abuse. But the truth is like you would way rather talk about it now than it actually happened to them. Because for my story, I didn't even know what the word sexual abuse meant. And so if I would have known how to say no, how to, what is appropriate touch, not appropriate touch, you know, things could have looked differently. Not saying that I'm looking back regretting anything, but things probably could have looked differently in my life. And so from somebody who didn't know about any of these things, I encourage you to talk to your kids about all of these topics. I encourage you to talk to your kids about how to take a stand for themselves, how to say no, how to you know get out of these situations, what is appropriate touch, not appropriate touch, all of these things, because that's where it starts is the education part. Um, and then moving forward and how to get, get, get kids out is looking around you. Like oftentimes like these kids are kidnapped from malls like and, and they're looking uncomfortable. Like and and oftentimes like we'll see something that looks like kind of sketchy or something kind of weird, right? And we're like, oh I don't want to say anything because maybe it's not. No, say something. You know, if you feel like there's something weird happening, say something. Call it out. You know, like whether that's someone grabbing a kid's arm really hard. And I know that sometimes you're like, well maybe that's their parenting. Yeah, maybe it is. And just say, hey how are you doing like to the kid? Ask the kid how they're doing or, hey, can I help you guys? Or whatever it is. And I know that that's sometimes uncomfortable for some people to call people out in that sense. But the outcome is you'll probably never see them again. And like, they're like, this is my kid. He, you know, he punched somebody else. I'm, I'm mad at him. I'm dragging him across the mall. But the other outcome could have been 
this kid is desperately trying to get away from this adult who had just stolen him. And that's what's really important to remember is like that we all have a responsibility to show up and take action to stop sex trafficking. It is growing rampant and we all have a responsibility because I think sometimes we're like, Alicia can talk about it, this person can talk about it, this is this organization, but we're never gonna stop sex trafficking if we don't all come together and make this a top, top priority. Right, right. Wow. Well, share your website, how they can reach you. So right now I'm just on Instagram and Facebook. My website is getting totally redone by my team and it's going to be amazing. But um, if you related to my message or if you want to connect further, anything I said, maybe brought some things up for you, maybe did trigger you and you're like, oh, why is that triggering me? Let's have a conversation about it. And I'm on Instagram at Alicia, A-L-I-S-H-A underscore, we lift to rise or on Facebook, Alicia G. So if anything, again, is coming up for you, I encourage you not to just like listen to this and then turn on another message or or keep listening to other things. Stop, how does this feel? What's coming up for you? And take something away from this message and actually implement it today. Because oftentimes we just move on to the next interview, right? How can you actually show up and learn something from this one? Oh, beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Alicia, for coming on Soul Power to the People podcast, for showing the difference, you know, just your vibrant face, you know, just you're just glowing. And that's possible because you confronted your shame, you're talking about it, you're helping and empowering other women to really heal from their trauma. And yes, maybe there's always going to be some remnants of the past, but like I said, we're infinite beings. There's always going to be something to overcome. There's always something to show our greatness for. There's always something calling us. You know, we don't have just one purpose. Every day we get to create a purpose. And that's how we return the soul power to the people. Thank you so much, Alicia. Thanks everyone for joining us. Bye-bye for now. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Soul Power to the People podcast with Tess Vergara. We can no longer be the spectators of our own destruction. Take back your mind, take back your voice, take back your soul, take back your power. Join me again next time for the next episode of Soul Power to the People.